Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. Today I'm so excited to have with me as my guest, Ms. Julie Orson Perkins, also known as Julie O. Julie is a coach, a teacher, a motivational speaker, a radio show host, an international best-selling author, energy work and healer, breast cancer sir thriver, I want to hear more about that, and shamanic practitioner. These conversations result in a rebirth of natural intuitive abilities and zest for life on planet earth here and now, plus a greater connection between mind, body, and soul. She's a certified life coach with a professional certified coach credential from the International Coach Federation with specialties in energy leadership and life transitions. Uh, as an access consciousness practitioner, Julie is known for her highly intuitive and dynamic energetic capacities to work with clients' bodies. Wow, that's amazing. Julie, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me here. It's great to see you again, always. Yes, yes. I'm so grateful to have you. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into this work. What drew you to it? Well, I, if I were being honest, I would say that I fell into it. So as I'm motoring along on my path in life and doing the work and career and doing the raising a family and kind of blinders on and barreling down that highway at a million miles an hour and not being very present and mindful of my body, um, I got taken out. So I was on, I had a breast cancer diagnosis with two very young children at home and it was a huge wake up call. I just couldn't believe what was happening. It was one of those things where all the stress just kind of came nodding up together and clumping up together in this tumor. And I just couldn't believe it was happening. You know, I finally thought I was getting somewhere and then this happened. So um, I actually was one of those people who was always interested in alternative modalities. The main reason being is that I was not able to take a lot of medications very well. So I would take the non-drowsy medicine and then crash out for three hours. <laughs> so, so I was always looking for something different. And at the time of my diagnosis, my husband was a Reiki master and doing some Hawaiian shamanism. So that was my first introduction to the work. And I, I got to say, it was um, truly pivotal because it showed me what else was really possible with something outside of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about shamanism. What exactly is that? So shamanism is the world's oldest spiritual healing modality. It's cross-cultural. There are many different blends of it. It dates back about 40,000 years. And because it's a spiritual modality, it looks at all illness and all dis-ease, dis-ease, 
as through a spiritual lens. And it looks to find out where there's a dissonance or disconnect in that realm and how it can be mended there and how it can trickle down and benefit the emotional and the physical and the um, mental areas as well as the spiritual. So um, the cool thing about shamanism is that it's nature-based. And so anybody that, that's cool for me. I just really adore having um, beautiful nature spaces and having a connection with the trees and the plants and the animals and all the little creatures that are, that are anywhere on the planet. And so um, uh, really the connection that you can have there which is no judgment and total unconditional presence with anything is what I know that can shift things. So shamanism also uses um, spirit guides. So it use, you might hear power animals, spirit guides. So there's the shaman will cross the veil into the other worlds, as they say, through a journey like trance. So people call shamanic journey, they use drums or rattles to get into that, that trance-like state, to go over to get the information that's needed for the healing or get the medicine and then bring it back over to be able to affect the healing. So they will uh, journey and they've actually done studies where they've had those little nodes on people's brains to map the brain waves of somebody's going into a shamanic state and the hurts of their trance-like state when they're journeying matches the hurts of the earth. So they're actually going into that level of communion with the earth and getting what is required there and then bringing it back for healing. So I've seen all kinds of things healed that way through shamanic and without um, the use of even uh, medications or e even any, any psychotropic um, drugs or things like that. Cause I know sometimes that's, that has been used in this field and it's not always necessary in my opinion. So it's um, yeah, really very effective. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to hear about things you've uh, discovered uh, with shamanic journeys you've had, but I first want to come back to your story um, because, you know, as some of the viewers and listeners might know, I too have a similar story of illness and having um, come through that on the other side. And when I actually was privileged enough to have a class in shamanic studies in graduate school, you know, um, we talked about the, the healing crisis, that sometimes the shaman's journey often involves um, a, a, a some sort of illness or dis-ease of some sort. And it's funny to keep coming across and all the people I interview, it seems like there is that we went through it ourselves. What, so what, what does shamanism say about that? Well, shamanism say, says that actually it's um, the birth, it's initiatory. It's the birth of a healer. So there's one shaman, African shaman that I really like, um, Maladoma, Dr. Maladoma Somme, okay? And he talks about two obviously incompatible energies have merged into the same field and it's creating that dissonance or it can create a tear in your reality. And that's where the, you need to go in and do the work and become the healer. He talks about the birth of the healer that this crisis is 
and you become the healer. And on that journey, you learn how to do that and what that's all about. So then you can lead others through that process. And that's where the term wounded healer comes from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've been through that journey and you can do it for others. And so uh, cross-culturally, so this is just, you know, one quote that I gave from a West African shaman, but cross-culturally, you'll see the same kinds of things coming across. So in the um, Tibetan, Tibetan Buddhism shamans or the Peruvian shamans or the Native American shamans, so all, all different ones, the Norse shamans, they all have a similar theme that that's, that's what happens, that that's where the work is being done. And that's where the treasure is. So somebody described it to me once as like, when the wave of change is coming to you and it's swelling and it's crashing on the beach and you're like, oh, I was just building all these sand castles, (laughs) you know, and all this stuff that I had going on in the world and in my life. And now it's leveled out, but what is left can be the treasure. So when that structure is blown away, It can be those gems and jewels left there on the beach. And that can be what you can leverage into the new phase of your life. Yeah, beautiful. And actually, I love that you um, quoted Dr. Malindroma. I hope I'm not butchering butchering his name. Because he wrote a really cool article called What a Shaman Sees in a Mental Institution, right? Exactly. Tell us more about, yeah, the shamanic perspective on mental illness. It's not what Western psychiatry is saying. Not, not at all. And so um, he, that, in that article, he was actually talking about his kind of shock at how they, because it's, it, to his culture and his perspective and the cosmology of healing that he has is that, again, this is the initiation and the birth of a healer. And once that opens up, then the community needs to rally around and support this individual and give them either the teachings they need, the learnings that they need, the space to do whatever it is, whether it's, you know, jump up and down or scream and cry or have an episode of any sort. And then to work through that, to feel their feelings, to emote, to have a physical um, manifestations of illnesses and things like that and to work that through and then give them, again, the techniques, the tools, uh, the guidance through the guides, you know, connect them with the guides, journey with them, set them up with power animals, things like that. And so um, he, was, he was shocked to see that, that this was not embraced and rallied by the, the community. And so, uh, what I really love about what he did was he actually took somebody who was in this state in a mental hospital and took this, this individual back to Africa and put him in this culture and gave him the space and the support required to do that. And this individual became a healer. So um, these people who are having, the shama- from the shamanic point of view, you'll see a lot of people who have been called sensitive energetically sensitive, people are super aware, super psychic, all, all of those labels are having these challenges, especially now when everything is heightened and everybody is thinking about things in a completely different way. And there's a lot of different levels of emotions that we don't normally see. There's normally this kind of undercurrent of adrenaline you know, we never quite get relaxed a lot of times. 
a lot of us do and a lot of us still don't and so that kind of undercurrent is kind of even at an elevated level right now yeah. and so it's, it's causing people to their to force them to it into a breaking point and this could be again another opportunity for everybody if we were looking at it that way if we're right. looking at it instead of a diagnosis of what's wrong if we we're looking at it as a possibility or an opportunity that's where the really creative work can be done in my opinion yeah right and that's why i love the shamanic view so much is because it isn't looking at mental illness as an illness it's it's um someone who's having uh, let's say a psychotic break or um, a nervous breakdown or a, a meltdown of some sort, you know, in this culture, in the Western psychiatric medical model, we see that as, as a crisis, as a pathology, as something that needs to be um, medicated. And, 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 and this is such a different way of seeing that we're seeing this as, as a gift you know, yeah. like, oh, how, how fortunate of you to have been, you know, like in that article, he talks about like the gods chose you to yeah. be a healer. What a gift. And let's celebrate that. And let's get you, yes, that support you need and that training that you need. There's a similar story with a woman in this documentary called Crazy Wise, which I highly recommend to people um, that talks about, you know, follows a few different people through the Western you know, psychiatric institutions and all that. And one of these ladies discovered that her psychotic break, her hearing of voices, it wasn't hallucinations. She actually was hearing the spirits talking with her and they were calling her to do healing work. And she also found um, an African shaman or healer to work with. She got training and her symptoms went away because they were actually capacities that she had that were mislabeled as problems when in fact they were gifts. Exactly. And that's why I so love that they call it dis hyphen ease. You're not at ease, it's uncomfortable, and that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, and so, and if you can keep it there, and that's what's really important if you're doing shamanic work is to not go to the diagnosis because the people will come to you and say, I was diagnosed as bipolar, you know, and here's what's going on. And they'll want to start from there. It's really important to start from, go into the, into the spirit realm and to really ask, you know, what we contribute here, what's going on here and what's the, the medicine that's required and to keep that, that, that energy and that connection open. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about then how you as a coach and as a shamanic healer, how have you worked with clients who have received some of these mental health diagnoses, bipolar, psychotic, depressed, anxious? What's, yeah. What have you noticed? Well, so I would say that the number one thing that I noticed that any kind of mental illness that comes in, it kind of boils down to, and in shamanic, terms, shamanic healings, they'll tell you this too, is that there's some kind of loss of power so that they feel like they're not their own selves, they feel like they're not in control of their life, they feel like they may be being attacked by someone or something, they feel like they can't uh, create anything in their lives, like their income or their money flows are being impacted and things like that. So the number one thing about power loss um, is to get them in a place where they have the sense of themselves and the sense of their powerful selves. Mm 
Okay, so that's that's the first thing that we do, is we talk about that. And so you can do teach. We te I teach them how to journey. I and we go on a journey to get them a power animal. Uh, it's kind of like a companion. And um, as we go through the process, they will start to realize that as we are all connected in the whole collective consciousness, that these things, these energies, this power as it shows up like a power animal is not separate from us. It's part of the collective. It's an aspect of us. And so, the, you know, at the, but the baby step is get the power animal. Journey always with the power animal. You have the buddy that can be your advisor and that can have afford you uh, the strength and the courage or the power or the protection that you need as you're walking along the path. And then that evolves into the space where that, oh, that's actually really neat. That, that's that's actually really that's really who I am as a spiritual being and that's what I can do there so that's that's really the the first thing that that we do is um you know get them out of the mindset that they're powerless and get them some tools to work with so they can feel more power filled mm -hmm. okay. so then um the second thing that I often see is that people have a hard time maintaining that so like you know whatever crisis they're in they're like kind of like oh thank god that's over right you know <laughs> you know and it's like oh yeah okay power animal thanks you know see ya and they don't really make it a practice of maintaining that so we talk about energy management how to manage your energy and how to uh, make sure that if you uh, that you are not sourcing from you because a lot of people end up feeling really fatigued and really tired and mentally fuzzy all the time, especially if they're um, choosing some medications and things like that. And then they, I have kids and they always need something from me and I'm so tired, you know? And so we talk about your source of energy. And so in shamanism, it's great. You have a source of energy, the planet and nature and all the creatures and that have infinite access to infinite energy. So we talk about that energy management where the source of your energy is. And we also talk as part of that as maintaining your sovereignty. So, you know, like maintaining energetic, uh, your spiritual hygiene and sovereignty. So I'm a sovereign being, you know, with a right to my own light and space. And so because of that, and we can say, have ceremonies and say prayers and ritual, have ritual around that so that you can keep maintain like that, spiritual hygiene and so we develop that practice mm -hmm. and do that okay so um the third thing that can be done is to you know if you if you develop those then this third thing that will have will happen less and less but what i often see in cases of mental illness is what we call um what they call classic possession which is natural and normal for people who are healers or are sensitives and are having communications with disembodied spirits, okay? So that's the first thing I wanna say is that it's normal and there's a shamanic technique called a depossession. And so I practice compassionate depossession in which again, it teaches, teaches you how to actually discern what's, what's you, what's not you. And if you're a healer, then it's highly likely that these beings are coming to you because you can facilitate them. And so then we teach what we call psychopomp work, which is leader of souls, and which you teach the healer then how to psychopomp the beings over, 
cross them over so that they're still not here or, or how to finish their business so that they easily can go go about their way. So um, that's that has been a, a beautiful journey for anybody who really wants to embrace that. Although there's a lot of taboo around that, right? As soon as you say possession, people start thinking horror movies and, you know, heads turning and things <laughs> to be afraid of and fanged things and, you know, and that's not at all what it is. It's misplaced energy and beings that don't know where they are and that are really coming to you for help. And so if you are hearing the voices and seeing the, the silhouettes of beings, they're probably here because you can facilitate them. So you know, the, an aspect of that is, again, acknowledging your capacity, going through the process of initiation, stepping into the healer that you truly are, and working with that. It's every single time that I felt like I was having uh, a, a dark night of the soul or a break of some sort, without fail, it helped to do work. And so when somebody would call and say, can I have a session? I'd be like, oh God, I'm too like messed up today. Can... Yes, the answer should have always been yes. It took me a little while to realize that. And once it did, good for me, good for them, good for the planet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so much in what you said, I want to ask you questions about. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I know uh, comes up in shamanic work uh, can be this idea of soul loss or soul fragmentation and the soul retrieval process can often be an important one to look at. Tell us more about that. How does that happen? How do you heal that? Yeah, and so um, that can happen in a lot of different ways. Um, the most obvious and easiest ones are um, through some kind of trauma. So you'll, you'll hear the people that will say, oh my gosh, you know, ever since the car accident, I never quite felt like myself, you know? And so when we talk about soul loss, we're talking about pieces, pieces of their essence. So in a lot of different uh, religious cosmologies, there's the soul, a thing. And so in shamanism, we have soul loss as pieces of, as, of your essence that are the pieces of your being that jumped out. Okay. So um, part of what can happen with that is that the, the, the soul will see that the be the body is being impacted somehow, whether it's physical trauma or emotional abuse or something like that. And it just sort of step, step aside. Okay. And if it doesn't come back, then that's when they don't feel like complete compounding over the years that can get that kind of tired feeling. I can't quite get it together. And if you're a healer, and we can talk about this another time, but the ants, if you've been a healer through your ancestral lineage, and if your soul has incarnated as a healer over generations, you can cumulatively, you, you lose, have soul loss, okay? So the way to do that is good, we do soul retrieval, and the it's a, a process and a ceremony in which you call back the piece, and you integrate it, and through some time in nature is what I always recommend to have that integration time and to heal and also to have some support with that. Let people know that you're doing this. Okay. So a lot of times um, that's what we don't get in modern day shamanism is the community support. Mm. Like all of this was done in villages and everybody knew what was going on. They didn't say, Oh, crazy Julie 
lost her stuff again and they gotta go get a piece of her back. No, they're just like, oh, okay, we need to rally around to hold the space and hold this container for that. So does that kind of answer your question a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would say actually, you know, when, when, what you're calling soul loss is what I think we in, in Western psychobabble might call dissociation. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. It's just, it's kind of like, um, I used to have this vacuum cleaner, but whenever I would plug it in the plug and if I would pull it too far, it would sort of just like, you know, it would sort of short out and not and. And I kind of put it back in, I kind of set it right, but it was just never really seated right. And that's what, what kind of soul loss feels like to me. You're kind of going along, you're doing fine, and then you just sort of zip out for a little bit and you just can't quite get it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, the, you know, it's, it's what's really important in that is to really uh, claim it too. So that's the other thing about it. It's not, it's not me doing this for you. It's all done through spirit. I'm facilitating it but you are actually receiving it. You have to say, yes, I'm going to claim this back. I am going to receive this. I am choosing this. And that's when it really works. Yeah. And I love the empowerment piece of that. I mean, so much of my work is just really, I'm an empowerment coach, you know, I mean, yeah. it's all about like ways, looking at ways in which we've given our power away and, and what that does to us that I think that that often results in what we're calling mental health symptoms, you know, depression, anxiety. Why? Because you're operating on less than all your cylinders. You've scattered parts and pieces of yourself all over the place. And yes, you need, you need to pull that back in and reintegrate that in order to have more of a sense of wholeness. Um, and the other thing that I love too about the shamanic work is that um, you are working with people's ancestry and you might even be working with other lifetimes, right? Like the trauma may not even have occurred in this lifetime. It could be some other time, place, dimension, something, right? It's pretty broad. It, it's totally broad. And if you, if people are willing to look at that and that's, that's, I think the biggest hurdle that people have, it's like, what? <laughs> My grandmother's grandmother, you know, and what are we talking about? No my body hurts right here, right now. And I can't focus on my work. And I'm, I'm really sad all the time. Like, just do that. You know, when, like you said, the view is actually this big versus this, this little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, depression from a shamanic point of view is like actually a suppression of their spirit and a suppression of their power. Well, which can be attributed to soul loss or power loss you know so and that can happen in in so many ways I, i'm seeing actually a lot of um young people you know, like high school college age um, kids who are so super intuitive a lot of those kids are growing up really in this way and they don't know how to deal with this and the parents don't know how to deal with this either because they've got the one way that they've always done it, whatever that one way is. And so that's why I'm really so grateful that you're giving this kaleidoscope of possibilities that can be more than one thing and whatever flips your switch, right? If you know, you want to, if you want to talk about um, indigenous shamanic healing or shamanic healing and come sit and uh, rattle with us or, you know, have a journey and go on a journey. That's great. Or if you want to try something different, just know that there's different possibilities out there.
Right, right. Yeah. What, what might a typical journey look like? So um, typical journeys, um, I usually always take clients to their healing garden. So we establish a, a, a place where they may have gone to before in nature or it's something that they can imagine. And we travel with their power animals and my power animals. We go into the drumming trance, relax. You are not leaving your body, which is different, you know, that like astral projection. It's more like lucid dreaming. You're present, you're not asleep, but you're not fully awake either. And you go into a place where you can call your healing garden. Okay. And so that's what a daily ritual I like to recommend is that they go to their healing garden and they can clean it up. They can add things to it. Sometimes you'll arrive in your healing garden and you'll find, oh my gosh, I got a waterfall now in my healing garden. And it's a place to rejuvenate, restore, reconnect, rekindle that relationship with nature and with spirit so that you can get what it is that's required for you to heal. And so like a lot of people do meditation or yoga or Tai Chi as a, a daily practice, journeying to your healing garden can be a wonderful, wonderful uh, healing practice. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, and you know what you were saying before about the brain waves, actually the science tells us that um, when people, uh, and it can be the rhythmic beat of a drum, um, but people do enter like this altered state of consciousness, the brain waves slow down, right? You and I are talking, we're kind of in like beta, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. You get down to theta, yeah. right? Which is that deep meditative or even the state of hypnosis. And when we do, you and I also do some hands-on energy work where it's a similar thing, the person's brain waves will slow down. And in those states, you are more open, you are more receptive, your logical thinking mind, you know, kind of gets a little bit more out of the way and yep. you're open to receiving more information, including your own wisdom, your own knowing. Right. And that, and that's where, that's where the healing occurs. You know, that's really when you are out of your mind. <laughs> you know, so I recently, um, in the last six months was in a car accident and I had a concussion. And um, I could not form thoughts. And it was actually one of the most blissful times because I couldn't do it if I wanted to. <laughs> so and while it was a little challenging for my family, it was also that, that realization that, yeah, that's really where I do get hung up. And that's really where I do get stuck is relying on that. The mind is a beautiful thing. It has great uses for certain things. And for other things, it, it's not so good at it. So for what reason, why am I putting that into all the jobs <laughs> of my life? I don't know. But again, still a learning process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still a learning process. And I love that the, you know, shamanism is cross-cultural. I mean, it's been practiced around the world, like you said, for like tens of thousands of years. And I, sometimes I look at Western medicine, like how, not, how arrogant are you? You think that this... Yeah this technology that's been around for, I don't know, 100, 150 years is superior somehow to what indigenous people have known and practiced for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, it's interesting to, to see um, when some of the uh, shamans that I've met and native shamans and the people will tell their stories 
and they'll just be very patient and very quiet, but you can almost see them sort of scratching their head like, what? <laughs> you know, like it just, they almost are tempted by wanting to say, I don't get that, you know, but they, they know better because they just know that it works. They trust the process. They know that it's been around. And as one of my shamanic teachers says, because there was uh, a time when a lot of the shamanic uh, practitioners were going around and making the circuit and trying to get connected with medical doctors and kind of prove their worth, you know, like, let me show you how this works. Let me, come on, just, just give me a chance. Let me show you. And then one of my shamanic teachers um, was at a conference and somebody stood up with speakers and said, we have to keep trusting the process and do what we know works and stop begging and looking for the validation of, of this reality and that Western medicine. And it's okay if that's, if that's what they want to choose, but we know this works. So we've got to stop. We've got to keep doing the work and then just keep moving this forward and then see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So do you have any suggestions for people to whom this might be like really new information? If they want to educate themselves, if they want to find out more about the history of shamanism or like, are there any books, resources, anything you would suggest? Yeah, there's um, a great podcast um, by Christina Pratt. It's called Why Shamanism Now? So she wrote the Encyclopedia of Shamanism as well. So there's, she's got a lot of uh, background and stuff in there. Um, there's also some great shamanic programs on the Shift Network. So the Shift Network has all kinds of different modalities and things. So there's some great um, shamanic um, uh, information on there. If you're is particularly interested in compassionate depossession, you can go to Betsy Bergstrom's web website, betsybergstrom.com. And she's an, a healer in Seattle. And so she's got some great information there. And then um, I think one of the, the last things that I would say is that shamanism is what they call a direct revelation practice. So I'm a merely a facilitator for you. I'm not giving you answers. I'm facilitating, and they actually call sh uh, shamans as the hollow bone. You know, the information just comes through them, and you're, they're, they're the vessel. So in that vein, I would say go online or go to your local library and ask. Show me where information about the shamanism that would be relevant to me, that would be interesting to me is. And just make a little, you know, treasure hunt out of it, you know, and follow whatever your intuition tells you about where that is, you know. So maybe you'll be online and surf doing Google searches, or maybe you'll be in the library, or maybe you'll be in the old bookstore and, you know, something will come along, or maybe you'll run into somebody on the street. But if you're truly interested, ask. It's a direct revelation practice and you'll start getting some guidance. Yep. That, that expression, asking you shall receive really works. That's it. It totally does. Uh, <laughs> only well, if you ask, right? <laughs> yes, only if you ask, right? That's right. Gotta ask. <laughs> what a gift this conversation has been, Julie. I'm so grateful to you for joining us today. If people want to find out more about your work, how can they locate you? So they can check out my website. It's www.julieoperkins.com. Wonderful. And we'll add links to everything we talked about today in the show notes. Um, I once again want to thank my fascinating guest, 
Julio and um, love this uh, primer on shamanism. And if this is something that speaks to you, ask a question, see where it leads you. Thanks everyone for tuning in today to another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. I'm Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you like this podcast, be sure to like, comment, and share with your friends. Thanks everyone. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.